Will you still need me? Will you still feed me when I'm 64? Welcome to Senior Living Connecticut, a show that explores solutions for Connecticut's families and adults striving for the best in senior living. I'm Bill Corbett, manager at Evergreen Crossings Independent Senior Living and author of the book, The 2.0 Entrepreneur. And I'm Hollis Hartman, Director of Sales at Harbor Chase of Evergreen Walk, which is an assisted living and memory care community. We're sitting down with industry area subject matter experts in this show to find out what they've learned along the way and get them to share it with us to help families in the Connecticut area. Hollis, what do you like most about what you do? I've been doing this for about 23 years and The thing that I love so much about doing this is changing people's lives. They come into it not knowing that moving to a senior living community is going to change their life, quality of life, have friendships they never thought they'd have, and it always happens. And I love watching that. It's interesting uh, that you say that. When people come into our community, a lot of times they're... They're scared. They're nervous. How is this going to be? I've lost my home. You know, I had to sell my house. My kids want me here because fine. So I won't fall and be safe. I'll be safer. But I want my home. As they begin to get to know other residents, they begin to relax and they blossom. Their real personality begins to show. And it's so much fun getting to know them. They always think they're losing their independence, but they're gaining it back. That's amazing. That's right. The topic for today's show is victimization. When elderly people are victimized, they often suffer greater physical, mental, and financial injuries than people of other ages. And of course, uh, elder victims are twice as likely to suffer serious physical injury and require uh, hospitalization than any other group. And that's dangerous. So on the show with us today, we are talking with uh, Cindy O'Neill, Director of Programs at Connecticut Council of Family Service Agencies, and we did not even know this agency existed. And what we've learned talking to you off the air and on the air, you're almost like a a victim advocate for them to help them in so many different facets after the experience of becoming a victim of a crime. In the earlier segment, we talked about the different kinds of crimes. What have you noticed in your business? There's more victims of a certain type of crime. Actually, we um, we keep track of all the victimizations that we service during the course of a, of a year. And what we find is the domestic violence tends to be the most occurring that we are servicing that come to us. Child abuse also is, um, you know, unfortunately is one of the more prevalent crimes that we tend to um, respond to in terms of our advocacy and support. What do you find is the largest type of crime that occurs with seniors? That typically would be neglect. You brought Yolanda with you. Yes. To give us a particular example of a case that you're working with. Yolanda, can you tell us a little bit more about it? Yeah, so I brought a case study um, with me to share with you guys. It's a recent case study. Um, it has to do with a 61-year-old male who was enrolled through the program through his primary care office. So the doctor uh, may have made a referral to us. So our referrals come from, from everywhere. He had suffered a severe mugging. His immediate goals were to get copies of all the things he had lost in his wallet that were stolen and medical care. The case manager who was helping uh, this particular senior used local resources to get copies of his license, organizing medical appointments for him, including teaching him how to use 
veil. Uh, eventually, he was enrolled in a supportive uh, program to help organize all of that for him. Because not only did he have few appointments because of the injuries sustained from the mugging, but he had previous health issues that needed to be addressed as well. The case manager j- just didn't help with issues that were related to the mugging. They also helped him with other barriers that he may have been experiencing. What I really like about our program is that we do an assessment. We're not just addressing the victimization that the client comes to us with. We're doing an assessment to address every part of that person's life because they may be coming in with issues, financial issues. They may be coming in with employment issues. And so if we can at least address everything, including the victimization, we're helping this person get to a better place. I know we need to keep this information confidential as much as possible. Can you tell us where it occurred? It occurred somewhere in Connecticut. I'm not sure what town. Okay, okay. That's um, a, no, this is, so this is a local, yeah, local case, obviously. Yes, yes, obviously. Yeah, everything that, all of the cases that we help with are Connecticut. And what kind of injury did he suffer from? He had some head injuries so head because injuries. of the mugging. Has that affected his ability to function? It has. And so the case manager is helping him apply for disability. Oh, okay. So that's another thing that we would help the victim with as well through the disability process. Oh I mean, gosh. that paperwork can sometimes be very tedious. Of course, the first thing, I, the first question that comes to mind is where, what kind of place was he where this happened? Was he walking along alone on the street? Was he in a, in a big Y somewhere? Uh, I believe he was store, walking. Or? It was a severe mugging. So there wasn't oh probably too many goodness. people around when it happened. So. He's very lucky. That's so frightening when they're by themselves and they go out there. They don't want to lose their independence. But when something like that happens, they can't defend themselves. And it's frightening. So now he's able to manage his medical care with the help of the case manager and is now receiving proper care for his for his injuries and his illnesses. So he, he needed that helping hand. And that's what we did for him. How long will this case go on? How long will he be there for him? There's no time frame to the cases. If he needs to have the case manager help him with other things for the next couple of months, then we're here for them. We have cases that have been on caseloads for a little bit over a year, three months, six months. It all depends what the need is. All right. So let me ask you a question. I think my neighbor is, is a victim. Something's going on. I can hear something going. I don't know exactly what. What would my first step be if I was afraid that I heard some sort of violence banging loud? Or, or you know what? My neighbor who's elderly is showing up with black eyes and something's going on and he's got somebody down there supposedly taking care of him. What would my first step be? Well, I would suggest that your first step not be call us. Don't call us because we're not a hotline. We're not 911. Um, I would call the elder abuse hotline, which is um, similar to the DCF hotline that you call for And neglect. so they would, and they would bring you in Absolutely. if the time and when the time is right, yes. correct? They would make a referral to us or the person who's making the call to the hotline can do a dual referral so that we can still reach out to that elderly person, but the emergency should be 911 or the elder abuse hotline. So I know that in a, in another community where I was working, that we had a, a resident whose kids stopped coming to see him, and there was a, a fund set up to pay his rent, but family was they were now changing their phone numbers. We couldn't get in touch with them anymore. Would that be considered victimization? Or I know that we called the elder abuse hotline, and they opened a case. 
So I'm just cu- curious, would that be considered? If, if they opened a case, then there's, there should be a case that there's some sort of victimization going on if they opened a case. And if they think it's appropriate, then they bring you in. A couple of things I just wanted to highlight sure, for please. your listeners, right? Is that this, this program, this case management program called VOCA is free. The victim pays nothing because this is completely funded by the state of Connecticut, the Office of Victim Services. Um, and um, we, you know, again, uh, Yolanda mentioned that, you know, there's no timeline associated with it. So if the victimization happened 10 years ago, we would still, we would still work with that, with that victim. Wow. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm talking about seniors, but of course, you um, can help anybody, not just seniors. Right, right. right? Because, yes, because we serve, we serve, um, we support more than 28 um, victimizations types. Do you get involved in domestic violence? Oh, yes. Yes. Yeah. Many, many, many of our cases are intimate partner violence cases. And of course, you probably have a whole youth division. Or something similar to yeah. that. Yep, yep. So we, you know, whether it's children, whether it's adults, we will support all of them. I just wanted to add, we do have case managers that work specifically in agencies that support uh, children who have been molested, assaulted, and so we have case managers that specialize in that. But all of our case managers address all the populations um, as far as age. Um, we also want to emphasize that um, not only is this free, there is no income guideline. So if someone is making, you know, over $100,000, if they are a victim of crime and they need our help. That's very important to we're, know. We're there right. to help. Um, another thing um, is that uh, you do not have to be um, documented to receive our services as well. So we provide case management services to undocumented people. There might be supports that we're not able to make referrals to because of their undocumented status, but we will provide case management services to them as well. How long have you been around? The Connecticut Council of Family Service Agencies has been around for more than 30 years. Here 30 years? Yes. Wow. It's like a <laughs> best know. kept secret in Connecticut. Yeah, right. Right. No, our, uh, our VOCA program, you know, we have other programs within the agency. Our VOCA program is relatively new to our organization. We've been, this is our third year. So what we're doing, and with your help, Bill and Hollis, you know, we are trying to get the message out there, particularly to the elder community, because we find, you know, when we look at our statistics, we don't, the elder community doesn't know we're here. So we're not getting a ton of referrals. So that's why we're trying to get the word out to everybody, particularly the elderly, so that they can avail themselves of this service, this free service. Many times when a disservice happens to a senior, they don't want to report it. They don't want to bother anyone. Mm. They don't want to bother their busy children. I know there are people who are mandated reporters, such as myself or Bill or nurses, doctors. So it's, it's very important to know the right place to send the call. If someone wants more information about your services, your organization, how can they get in touch with you? So if someone wants to make a referral, probably the easiest way is to dial one 800 505-9000. If someone would like to learn more information, they can look on our website, which is ctfsa.org, or they can call me, Cindy O'Neill, Director of Programs at 860-736-4389. Well, we've been talking with Cindy O'Neill, Director of Programs at Connecticut Council of Family Services and Agencies. Thank you, Yolanda Ortiz, for coming on and bringing the case to help educate us even more. 
Um, Hollis, thank you from Harbor Chase. Thank you for coming on, being my co-host. This is Bill Corbett. I'm with Evergreen Crossings uh, Independent Living. You've been listening to Senior Living Connecticut. <laughs>